And this, this is Tech, Tech Beats and Bites. Toya, how are you doing today? Woo woo! It's hump day, y'all. It's always hump day when we do the show. Whatever. <laughs> I just feel like saying that. <laughs> you came in strong, I had to come in strong. Okay. How are you doing today? I'm great. I, I, I am amazing. Uh, Why? I, I just feel I got a lot to talk about today. Uh-oh. A lot of good stuff to explain. Y'all ready for this? Go ahead and grab your tea, your beer, if you're joining us. Craft beer. Actually, today we might as well just get the whiskey today. If we, if uh, what's her name? Uh, what's Samar her name? Samar B Rivers. If you would like to start sponsoring Tech Beats and Bites with some bottles of whiskey, uh oh. Some of these days it's gonna be like that. Actually, we should just do especially it. as we get into politics. Listen, exactly. So we should just do the beer in a whiskey cask, sort of have the oh, that flavor. That'd just be let fun. it age in a whiskey cask, like, like Kentucky bourbon, mm-hmm. but reverse. Yeah, absolutely. So. Let's just get right into it because we got a lot to cover. And by the way, y'all, until we get formatted and we get put on the show, we're going to be going over an hour. So I'm <laughs> just letting you know that now. Hour is our target. Y'all know we keep it organic. Yeah. We just go with the flow. Whatever happens, happens. But today, uh, the E-Weekend. Um, the weekend has an ownership stake in sports company, an esports company called Overactive Media. OAM, which is Overactive Overwatch Leagues in Toronto, Defiant, and Splice, is making one of the five uh, esports organizations in the world to have permanent spots in both League of Legends and Overwatch League. These are different co- competitive aspects for the esports league. So, to all those moms mm-hmm. that used to sit around and say, you know what? Playing video games, you need to get out there and do something with your life. <laughs> Go mow the lawn. Well, actually, they are doing something with their life. Esports is becoming very big. It is a professional thing. There's actually now scholarships to colleges yes. and universities, and not just any college and university, some good colleges and universities. Um, on top of that, Drake, Snoop Dogg, and a number of other artists have started dipping into esports industry, and that industry alone has bought in 43. Four billion in revenue. Don't you want a piece? By the way, go let your baby go play them esports. Exactly. <laughs> and we should make note that that is not just over the course. That was what they did in 2018. Yeah, and to um, the Golden State Warriors for their NBA 2K, whatever. Look, I don't play. Um, they had they got their first female esports player. Mm to be a part of the team. So shout out to her. I forgot her name, but I heard about it and I just had to say that because we're talking about esports. Look that up. I mean, professional dope. athletes like Rick Fox, Michael Jordan, and Steph Curry, as you're speaking about Golden State, each mm-hmm. have invested into esports leagues and businesses. Now, I do want to give a shout out to Delane Parnell, who's out there. Absolutely. Delane was one of the first people that three years ago tried to tell everybody esports is going to blow up and his company... Uh, Play Versus, I think is the name of it. Yep. Play Versus is out of control and he's doing great. So sometimes we're ahead of the curve and we try to tell y'all, y'all just got to decide to start listening. And you got to stick with it. Yeah. Like follow the process. It's going to be hard sometimes and he's definitely doing great, man, out there skiing and everything. (laughs) Right. Getting on article covers (laughs) and magazine covers. We appreciate you. We see you. And he's only in, uh, he might be 30 now. I don't even think Delane's in his 30s. I think he might be 26 or 27. Yeah. Amazing young man. Amazing. 
Um, we'll put his name somewhere in here because I know people are going to be wanting to drop it in the comments. Yeah. So we're going to do a shout out to the Block City Block, a healthcare company focused on providing improved care to low income neighborhoods. It's doing really great. Uh, they are a tech enabled service company focused on caring for a population that has been traditionally overlooked by the innovation community. I'm assuming you'll know which population they're talking about. Um, so this is a co-founder, uh, Mr. Rom, as did his interview with TechCrunch. But we were talking about this, and it was one of the things that me and Latoya wanted to address. We kept telling people that the tech industry is slowing down. What we meant by that is like tech innovation and the different things that are being created. So like virtual reality was this big thing and it's moving. We're just telling you that a lot of the unicorns are kind of gone, but there's a lot of industries that are going to be tech enabled and tech enhanced industries right. that have a lot of growth opportunity. And that's where the innovation is, right. is how you take sort of antiquated industries and companies and make them digital, make them really leverage the technology that's out there like healthcare, finance, insurance. So you're looking at a lot less of the like when the people created VOIP, you know, versus like now one of the big things, even though non-tech, is the usage of CBD oil on different products and in different things, cooking with it, using it to relieve a lot of elements and more of a holistic approach to a lot of healthcare issues. And not just healthcare, because Carl's Jr. is coming out with a burger that's gonna be a cannabis burger on 420. I don't think we have a Carl's Jr. down here in Miami, but that's what they doing for 420. So look at that, cannabis, just a dovetail. It's getting its fast food too. So speaking of that, culture-infused creations will be coming out with a popcorn <laughs> line that will be enhanced with cannabis oil. We are doing it. I mean, the thing is, a lot of times we don't follow trends because of mm -hmm. what we feel might be the repercussions that come with it. Like, oh, how y'all gonna be doing cannabis? We already know, we, we don't care about the stereotypes. CBD oil is legal, we're going that route. So we're gonna have CBD oil on our pretzels, popcorn, we're gonna have a little dosage of it in our pickles, and we're gonna have it on the peanut. So it's gonna be all the flavors that are now available in Culture Infused are plus. gonna also be a plus and added to with the nice. CBD oil. That's cool. So we just want you guys to know certain things are definitely slowing down. I would love to see somebody come out with a virtual reality phone where, you know, stuff just pops up out of my phone and I can go. Oh, like Star Trek? Yeah, yeah. Let's just be doing stuff like. Kind of holographic type stuff? In theory, I also don't want that because, I mean, everybody, <laughs> Can't see your stuff. everybody right. around me is looking at it. Don't let the wifey send you a pic yeah. and it come up. <laughs> can you imagine? Uh, so you got a little naked look. <laughs> right. A mess. That'd be dope, She'd be though. pissed. <laughs> Not today. Oh, man, that'd take porn to a whole nother level. It will. Uh, um, <laughs> so, what are we drinking today? What we got, bartender? Ginger water game. Ginger? Yep. So, this is the ginger from... Cheers to ginger. I, I realized my, my glass wasn't getting to frame, so... Oh. Gotta make sure. Timeline Brewery. Yeah, because it's, so, it's cut so close. Mm-hmm. It's like ginger beer. Right? With alcohol. <laughs> if you're um, a fan of ginger ale, you'd like that. Yeah, you really like this one. Mm -hmm. That would taste good with some Jack Daniels, a shot of Jack. A little Jack bomb. Hmm, maybe we should. Drop it. <laughs> so, Apple marks the spot. Apple Music has overtaken Spotify for paying U.S. subscribers. Interesting. Is it really, or did no. we expect Because <laughs> <laughs> it's on your phone, so... <laughs> All right. So, oh, by the way, quick shout out to somebody watching, Leroy. Uh, do me a favor. Tag us when we have good moments. 
you know why later for editing. Uh, just make a notation and make a comment. But anyways, uh, both of the services are at $9.99 a month, mm-hmm. paid tier service. But however, on that tier, as they say, you cannot compare apples to apples. <laughs> that wasn't my line, by wah, the way. Wah. We <laughs> I like that one. Um, the comparison to Apple Music and the League, because Apple Music pretty much has everything, and mm-hmm. their catalog is much better. And I have mentioned this before. We have talked about this before. We're going to say the shot for that second part. Yeah, I'm going to say, because some of us have not eaten lunch yet. <laughs> you have a long time. You're going to have me <laughs> so, on this camera looking crazy. So this is the thing. Hey, Dante, by the way, make sure my mic is still working because I just bumped it. Uh, one of the biggest thing is with Apple, and mm-hmm. we talked about it before, they have that algorithm from Beats Music when Dr. Dre yeah. was doing his thing. Yeah. So the genius and the mixing of the channels and the stuff, I, and I, I have to admit, I haven't purchased Apple Music yet. I'm not sure if I want to spend $9.99 somewhere else because I have Spotify, but I'm definitely on the verge of doing it. Really? I'm, I'm close. I'm really so close. I had Apple Music and then I stopped using it. I don't know. I, I just, I couldn't quite connect with it. Maybe because I was, a, I used Spotify for so long and then right. I was like Apple Music, uh, whatever. I don't know. It I'm just, still old I didn't school. Connect. I still I like downloading music and putting it on my iPod. It's something about that. Ooh. Yeah, know? that's for real. It's like my cassette nostalgia. And two, I think I consume a lot more music on like YouTube. I don't even necessarily mm. use Spotify that much anymore. So like I'll pull up videos and consume music. That yeah, way. the references, you know, what's the up next mm-hmm. for YouTube is really good. Yeah. But continuing on, Apple's success could serve as an example of how Apple aims to succeed in the news service. So, you know, they have Apple News coming out. And I've told people when we're going to make another mm-hmm. prediction, be prepared for Apple TV to basically be Apple's own personal streaming service. And pretty soon, I'm pretty sure Apple is going to end up opening up a studio. Mm, um, yeah. I know they have that partnership with Oprah, but I think Oprah is just the taste of what's really coming down the pipelines. Apple is going to end up having their own news channel. They're going to have their own weekly shows and everything else because the world of digital subscriptions is just going. And as Oprah said, Apple ha- already has a billion devices, billion devices in people's pocket. So that's hundreds of millions of subscription Access. opportunities. So. I definitely believe content creation as a way to do video journalism is definitely going to be the next thing because that's how you're going to communicate with people. So as you're streaming more content that Mm -hmm. is created by different studio houses and not necessarily the big houses that are going to have to go through more approval, more things to get intellectual property and approval. And the timing to get to on air. Exactly. It takes longer. And that's going to be the way that we have especially millennials and millennials on that's going to be their most comfortable way of consuming the news so you just got to start getting prepared yeah. for those kind of changes and it kind of already is mm-hmm. devices most traffic on the internet is from a mobile device so we know what it is you got to play to what you know and then see the future to what you were saying like 3d three-dimensional 40 right. type of interactions really start to think about that and millennials they only take in about 2.7 percent of the news that is out there and yeah. then for most of these sites that put that information out there, seventy percent of that traffic actually comes from Facebook. Right, and at the rate that people are cutting cable, 
or not even getting cable, especially if you're a millennial. Most of them don't even haven't ever had a cable subscription. Not even having cable or internet. They just going to Starbucks and sitting <laughs> right. in there all day. <laughs> so not ordering one little salad exactly. and sitting in Starbucks for the whole day. So everybody, all those AT&T, Comcast, they need to start adapting really quick to how consumers are starting to move. But see, what was that? T-Mobile or who is doing it now where they have like the cafe? It's almost like the cafe Capital place. One. Yeah, when you come in, that's what you need to start doing these phone services. Yeah. You need to come in and be able to just sit down, hang out in lounge, and then maybe I will buy another phone. Or And I was at the library the other day because I was doing something with Takari. And I was like, libraries need to think about that. Like, how can they adopt a Starbucks Capital One model to, like, leverage the space? Because you have books. Don't get rid of the books because that gives you ambiance. That's mm-hmm. something to browse and peruse. But it's free Wi-Fi. And it's AC. You just need to mix in some, like a little coffee bar with some snacks. But you it's okay. Y'all keep not doing it because we opening up spaces. We'll take care of it for you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it happen if you don't want to make it happen. I'm just, just it's there already. Y'all need to repurpose, reuse. Well, we already said that with all the malls. All the malls yeah. could be micro apartments. Repurpose, you have a reuse. Food court, which becomes a food hall. Like. All this new construction, we could just be using the old construction so we can get more green space back so people can go outside <laughs> right. and play. Even go they outside. could put a park on top of the malls because the malls, the roofs are flat. Right. So that could be a whole... Reinforce the roofs, yeah. rooftop parties, and everything goes. Y'all need to be creative and innovative. Come on now. Why don't y'all just hire us consultant Simon <laughs> What happened to American innovation? Oh, <laughs> y'all want America back? Oh, <laughs> make America great again, Ooh, right? Bars. That, that part. Ooh, ooh, please, I don't care who. If some, let me. I'm about to mark that myself because. Ooh. I'm just saying, like you know, you have to, you have to think about that. Like mm-hmm. by you cutting out diversity, you cut, you cut out diverse thoughts. People who have seen different things, and experienced I mean, different things. AP Daniel, yes, we know you still go to the library and get books, but you're one of the few unicorns out there to make that happen. But we're saying keep the books, but make yeah, make keep the, the library more inviting. Multifunctional. You should want to come there and just hang out. Yes. You should want to come there and chill and do what you're doing. Like, that's important. Right, right. Tables, chairs, AC, Wi-Fi. Make more <laughs> fantastic. Because what y'all charging people for late books still? Yeah. How, they ain't gonna make free no money. parking. You don't it's even have to pay to park. Stuff. You know what? This would be even better. All the libraries should adapt the NPR tiny desk model and start hosting small concerts in the library. You can do it all. You could do it all. If NPR can do it on a small little desk with a one camera setup, and some of them performances be live. Anderson right. Pox uh, was live. Uh, What's the the crazy dude name, Dante? Tank and the Bangles had a good one. Uh, the 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 jazz guy, Quasme. What is his name? There's some good ones. Yeah, T Pain had a good one. Yeah, T Pain's was amazing. Why don't you bring local talent into the library at a point when you know it's kind of slow and let them perform in there? And most of some libraries have meeting and conference rooms. Mm. You can use that to create like a production <laughs> studio that people could like schedule and rent out intellectual content coming from a place of knowledge right come on so fun man we on fire (laughs) um so stock uber all we did was just reverse it uber stock uh uber (laughs) is reported it's 2018 revenues of 11.27 billion so of course uber has now filed for its ipo right the net income of 997 million and adjusted ebitda if you don't know yeah read that uh 
losses of 1.85 billion. So I don't really know how that works out. Now you know exactly why they're going public because they're losing a lot of money. So they need to make some of this money back with you outside investors bidding on their stock. So I will be looking to buy some of that Uber stock and just sitting on it. But the competitor Lyft file, Lyft pr did pretty good. Again, mm -hmm. this is part of our hustle alert. We do not give financial advisory. Do not listen to us. <laughs> do your own research. <laughs> right. um, but their stock has been kind of going up and down. But, yeah, you had a lot of people short Lyft. And, which is the smart thing to do. I mean, sometimes as soon as something comes out, right. if you can get a short that ranges within maybe 10 to 15%, that's actually a good short to take because they normally take dips. So, and a lot of people mm -hmm. don't know when the release dates are and they're not paying attention. So the easiest thing for you to do, short the stock, then people come in, oh, by the way, you knew Lyft went public? No, I didn't. Oh, the stock is only $64, but it came out at 72. Now everybody that shorted it to drop down, they just made a good amount of change. Just something to consider. So Google loses its diversity. Google's chief diversity officer, Danielle Brown, what a name, Brown. Um, has left the company. <laughs> the influence how we build our product to drive positive change around critical issues like diversity, compliance, and employee engagement for millions of workers in the U.S. That was a quote by her. I just want you to know, I have absolutely no, I did no idea what she was actually trying to say in that quote or what she hoped that quote was to accomplish because the stats still show that you're almost 70%, to be exact, since we're going to quote, 68.4% male, 54.4% white, 39.8% Asian, 3.3% black, 5.7% Latinx. So now this Latinx thing is just for real. Yeah. I just want. Did to you the, see the recent real quick sidebar? Did you see the recent um, Bill Maher? Yeah, and I was, he was talking about Latin. <laughs> that's what I was about to say. Yeah. Like, I want to know how the Latin people, or the Spanish people, or Hispanic people, ever. How do you guys feel about this Latin X thing? Maxine, we we like you, Maxine with Caribou. Let us know how you feel about that. Uh, and then zero point eight percent is Native American. So with their one diversity related issue after another one, they had the anti-diversity manifesto, the sexual harassment allegations, employee led walkouts. Is Google really fixing their diversity inclusion problems, Latoya? Well, I think that's kind of evident in her leaving the company, right? So her quote to me read kind of aspirational. It's sort of what she may have set out and wanted to do. And she left the company. So obviously either she quite, wasn't quite feeling like she was able to be effective. Maybe Google wasn't really truly providing her with the support that she needed to make things happen. Cause we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, so you, when you think about sort of diversity and tech, is it a real thing or is it just for headlines? I think we think it's mainly for headlines. We know it's for headlines. <laughs> right. Y'all don't really want to fix the problem. Right. We're going to get into that later though, but I don't think y'all really want to fix the problem. Um, so a couple of these topics are going to be a little bit longer, um, but I definitely, this is a topic I'm actually addressing. I'm addressing it on behalf of Latoya. I'm addressing it on behalf of Don Dixon, Angela Benton, Felicia Hatcher, um, Alicia Daniel Hall. I'm addressing this issue for a lot of black women that I know out there that are trying to do business. So. Black female founders face constant rejection, but they're thriving anyways. Yes, so. we are. <laughs> so the example we're using is directly from a story, but we have uh, more information and more things to put out there. But Arian Long, an African-American millennial, has the creator of the Femily Box, 
F-E-M-L-Y box because I want all the ladies to go out there and look into it. It um, basically said that everyone she met with, every single investor she met with said no. So these are some of the key points of this issue. She was consistently speaking to middle-aged white men. Um, of course, they didn't know the product or use the product because the product is based around feminine products that are organic. Um, so out of the 424.7 billion in total tech ventures, capital funding, the portion that was given to black female founders, Toya, you wanna uh, tell them that number? Minuscule. It was a point zero 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 six percent. The only time I've seen zero 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 six like that, and it was something good, was when I was shouting out something to be an Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity <laughs> member. Otherwise, there's nothing that can come good with point zero 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 six. There's just nothing that's good that's come out of that. Now, the average investment into Black females is normally only forty two thousand dollars where the actual percentage of the national percentage of investments is ranges for the their counterparts mm -hmm. ranges at about 1.4 million. Mm -hmm. um, 40% of black women who request financing don't receive a single penny, while nearly twice as many as non-minority women who are t um, that are not turned down are receiving money. So they're getting turned down at a 2x rate compared to everybody right. else. Um, in 2016 though, Ariane Long, Miss Long, what she decided to do was she won $125,000 at a Baltimore-based competition called Piranha Tank. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> a whole different thing than Shark Tank. Right. Baby Shark. Right. Baby we need shark. to do a Baby Shark oh, Tank wow, wow, wow. and do like kid investors. But that would be dope. <laughs> but with the winnings, she was able to service her first 5,000 subscribers. Then she started entering to win more competitions. She has since competed. Now listen to this. Imagine the time and the money that goes in this. Mm -hmm. She has since competed in more than 40 pitch competitions, taking home a total of only, and I'm saying only because I think she deserves much more, but taking home a total of $300,000 in cash along with professional services and two office spaces. And for those people out there that know in competitions, what they'll normally do <coughs> is give you a package of professional services or they'll give you access to a co-work space for a year. Right. That has helped Emily ship, uh, family, I'm sorry, ship to almost 10,000 buyers, and she is on track to hit $1.2 million in sale this year. Now, I, wanted, I want you to take that in. Every investor said no to her. She only was able to raise $300,000, but she's on track to 3X her money. As an investor... To every non-black, or actually, you know what, we'll just take color out of it because what I'm defending is the black woman. To every investor out there, if you could get or see the potential of a 3X return on your investment, would you not invest into that company? Now, I know that you guys invested into Fire Festival. <laughs> I know that you guys invested into Thronos. Thronos. Uh huh. I've seen the things that you guys have invested into that have been scientifically proven not capable of working and then logistically proven impossible. But yet you want to invest into a multi billion dollar market of feminine healthcare products, as we just had a show last week 
where women are complaining about not having access to feminine healthcare products and the jail systems are going through a whole thing to make sure that women actually have feminine care products while in jail and in prisons because they don't have the proper access to them. I don't understand why you guys aren't investing in it. I mean, there's a point where you have to start seeing the formula. These black women are killing it. If you own a VC firm or an angel investment group and you're not taking the time once a quarter to sit down and listen to what black women have to offer, I honestly think you just don't want to win. Let's just get out of diversity and inclusion. I just don't think you want to win. Because Don Dixon, a friend of ours, a dear friend of ours, mm -hmm. Went to do the same thing. Dom was traveling all over the world, pitch competition after pitch competition. Her, her pitches were amazing. She was making these things happen. Still couldn't get the funding from VC. Still couldn't get the funding she want. But what did Dom do? She turned around, went to crowdsourcing, and was able to raise $1.2 million. And I'm, I'm praying for her success because one of the easiest things to do, like Tiger Woods, to shut up a hater is just to prove them wrong and just come back and win. So for these investors that aren't looking at black women, and as you see, the black woman is not here defending in or having to try because I'm champion for black women. As a black man, I am champion for the support of black women. Latoya has cosmology. The hair care industry is growing. There's no reason investors shouldn't be putting money behind her project. That's why we're trying to help her. That's why we're investing our time into it. Because simply put, the reason why, I know why you guys aren't investing, because you're not in these communities. You aren't walking the streets. You don't actually know the needs and these products of the community, so you have no interest in investing in them because they don't affect you. So you still live in your circle where you think only the things that affect you are the things you should invest into which if you had a more diverse board of directors or had a more diverse board and period, you would have more opportunities bought to you with people to have a better um, understanding. So mm -hmm. we weren't gonna delve into this too much, but this is definitely one of the topics I wanted to delve into because it continues to be an issue. And if only 10% of your money is going out to minority owned companies, but you see a success ratio of minority owned companies, I don't understand why you're actually the lead of your investment group. Because simply put, um, we're tired of you guys. And the word of the day is race-splaining. Shout out to all my women for the mansplaining. Race-splaining is now going to be defined as when telling someone in their race or their culture what is best for them when you are not a part of that race or that culture. Race-splaining. Quit race-splaining to us and thinking you know what's best for our community and our culture when you don't walk those streets and you're not a part of it and you don't want to participate. Be smarter and just shut up and listen when we're telling you what's needed for our community and you have the opportunity to make that money. And you can't by any way, shape, or form little Caesars us. You can't bring in your one black friend and think that you know the race or the culture. Because normally your one black friend, they aren't even in contact with that race or culture. Because they've become your boy. Your boy. If you want to learn about our culture, sit down and ask questions. Don't tell us. Sit down, ask questions, and talk. Talk to the people you're scared to talk to. 
go to the places that you feel uncomfortable because that's where the money is being made. That's why E-Class is doing so good with finger licking and now he has six different locations. That's why Chef Teach is doing so good with World Famous House of Math. You have to get to know these cultures. You can't race blame to somebody that's there. The worst thing you can do is tell a black woman what other black women need or want when you're not a black woman. Same would apply for a black male, Native American, Latinx. If you're not of that culture, don't try to explain the needs of that culture. Don't explain the investments we need because we hear the demands. You see the results after things have happened. We hear the demands as they're happening. So I'm gonna let you chime in. Yeah, so just to, <laughs> to cap off on that last part about race planning, and then I'll go back to female um, black women getting investments. When you talk about race planning, right, there was that whole conversation that happened on Fox about colorism and how they were starting to sort of try to talk about colorism within the black community. You can't sit there and engage in these conversations and not acknowledge that you're part of the reason that this is there anyway. The whole idea of black racism within each other, which is called colorism, is because of the institution of slavery and the mentality that was put in place to pit each other, to pit us against each other. The whole field Negro versus the house Negro, like that's not something that we created. <laughs> that was put in there on purpose, and in that way we could not collectively work together to improve our situation. It was systematic, just like institutional racism. So that's a little bit of additional sprinkle on the race planning thing. But no, very good point about black female investment and us still thriving anyway, in spite of getting investment from larger VCs. And it speaks to sort of how we're leveraging the concept of collective or um, sort of collective economics, right? We're working within ourselves to make sure that we fund ourselves and support our visions. So I can tell you that one of our initial investors was another black woman. She saw what I was doing, she saw what I was doing with my sisters, and she said, I wanna help to make it easier for you to continue and to move forward. I was just speaking with a friend who also has a business yesterday, and she too was invested by another a black woman or two black sisters who were like, we see what you're doing, we love how you grind, we love your packaging and everything that you're doing, we wanna invest in you to help your vision continue to grow. So regardless of what the outside world may say, we can empower ourselves within ourselves. We don't have to look outside because the truth is they're not gonna find value in it until it starts to make money and then they're like, oh yeah, now we wanna kinda of get in because we see it. It's, it's hard to sort of get someone to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it if they do not take the time to understand or they are not directly affected. You see the same thing when it comes to the whole homosexual situation. You have politicians who will sit there and go against homosexuality until someone in their family comes out and they're homosexual and it's like, oh, oh now preach, we support preach, it, preach. right? So it's the same exact thing. The same mentality exists regardless of the issue. It does not become something of interest until it affects you directly. So yes, you may not understand the need for having unique hair tools that are made for textured hair because if you don't have textured hair, you're like, I comb my hair just fine. I don't have any shedding, but that's not how it works for the rest of us. So we have to become our own producers of solutions. We have to become our own reasons 
for, for being and for creating businesses and for bringing solutions to the market. We cannot just sit back and wait for everyone else to do it for us. We have to remember that we created so much of what this world is about, from culture to math and science. We have to tap back into that genius. It's within our DNA. Yeah, that may have been 400 years of sort of deprogramming and stripping us away from that truth, but the truth still lies within, and we have to tap into that. We have to tap into that cosmology. So, as y'all receive those bars, simple solution. Even if we want to go by the just base demographics of the United States of America, if you are receiving any kind of government kickback, government tiffs, or you receive any kind of benefits where you're on the actual stock exchange, which means you're now global worldwide, your board of directors should be forced to look like a lease, the demographic of the United States of America. At least the At demographic the of the U.S. Just the bare minimum. So that means if the world is 60% male and 40% female, you should have 40% of your board of directors to be females. If the world is 12 to 18% of African Americans, you should have 12 to 18% of African Americans on your board of directors. This is on anything. I don't care if it's from your CRA to your local little town community to a Fortune 500 company. Start allowing your companies to reflect the actual demographic of the people that you are servicing. Race planning. So we're gonna move on. <laughs> um, so it's Game Boy's birthday. A little Woo-hoo. bit of a lighter note. On April 21st, and it's not the birthday yet because we're ahead, no. but by the time you watch this again, <laughs> right. four, four days, because it's so great that you're gonna wanna watch this twice. Hey, and you're mom. gonna wanna share. My mom is watching, by the way, guys. I just want you hey, to know that. Hey, mom. Um, on April 21st, 1989, Nintendo gave us the Game Boy, forever changing video games. Game Boy took the idea of portable gaming into mainstream and creating a lane for a mobile gaming. I must admit, the money did not work out for me in the 90s. I never got a Game Boy. No? No. Did you have one? I had a Game Boy. Really? I enjoyed it. But again, like I'm, I'm one of the people I'll play it, and then I'll put it. Put it down. So 1990, that was seven years before I graduated. Yeah, I think my mom was like, you got a Nintendo, you can mobile your ass in front of this couch. Thank <laughs> 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 it worked. But I never got a Game Boy. I always wanted one, but I never got one. Yeah, we actually found one of our, like a second generation Game Boy, and we gave it to Takari, and he was like, yeah, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> so going on to the beat section, um, just to bump it or dump it real quick from uh, Professor... David Stewart, Lion Babe. Lion Babe, Cosmic Wind. It's a dope album. I just advise you guys to buy it, download it, listen to it. It's an amazing album. She's fun, too. She is. She has a cool vibe. Very cool. See, mm-hmm. a good, a good, another good example. Lion Babe doing a Tiny Desk concert in South Florida in one of these libraries. And let us stream it. Yeah. Get spot. I, I don't know why are people so un- you know what I just want- why are people so uncreative? You That's have yeah. opportunities. Like there's so many opportunities to just do things because they're too busy trying to make America great again. Sorry, I know I said that at the earlier part, but it's sad to say. Look, that every city should hire what we would call an innovation consultant. Mm. All you do is hire these people to come up with great ideas to bring life back to your city. And two, I think there's a lack of like looking beyond the borders, right? Because so I was watching um, Crazy Rich Asians, whatever the name of the movie is, the other day, and it happens in Singapore. And I was just looking at the architecture, 
and you know that in those countries, like the architecture is insane. But it's like over here, we still building like square skyscrapers and glass. Like where's, where's the creativity in our, even in our development, our real estate development? Why are we still doing like stuff from like 1965? And yeah, it may look a little bit prettier cause you got floor to ceiling windows, but. Or at least if you're gonna do stuff from the 60s, at least use Chicago architecture and bring us some brick structures and make it where it's actual art pieces. Listen. It's way too much. And when you look at some of the sort of futuristic planning, it's like that stuff can happen now. You have paint that <laughs> that can help with pollution. Why are we not using that? <laughs> like, what's the, what's the you hang You know up? why. Because they boys getting cutoffs. It's, they boys ain't so a part silly. of that future, so they not getting that, that kickback. It's so silly. Or even when you talk about landscaping, especially in South Florida, like there's a way to do sustainable landscaping that is better for the environment to help increase the butterfly population and to help with water conservation. But yet we're still doing the same things. I don't I don't get it. I mean, they're either slow or just don't want change. And I'm just saying, even even as we're just a side note, as we're speaking of innovation, don't forget to share this con content. The thing is, the reason why we do this is because a lot of people, whether you believe it or not, a lot of people don't think we have conversations and knowledge like this in South Florida. When we talk about innovation, South Florida is still being tagged as just a party town. Like we got to change Beach, it. Yeah. And now Wynwood. Woo, Wynwood, y'all. That's not all we are. We got people down here trying to make real things happen. So it's up to you guys to share this content to let other people know that we're actually trying to do stuff down here in South Florida. But um, a, a quick shout out. We do have a new mayor in town, Miss uh, Mayor Crystal Wagger of Miami Shores. Congratulations on your win. Another beautiful and powerful black woman that mm -hmm. is now mayor. So we want to give her a shout out. Um, do you want, well, maybe we should do in these streets and close out with our clout chasing conversation. We sure can. Okay. So in these streets, and this ties directly into kind of what we've been talking about, uh, uh, the CEO of Shobani's Yogurt is getting a lot of sort of attention for his TEDx talk because he basically talked about the anti-CEO. And in his TEDx talk, um, and his TED talk rather, he laid out his idea for what, a different way of doing business, one that he's tried to advance himself through Chobani. Just as in stories, people who achieve great things through unconventional means are often called the anti-hero. So now he wants to see more anti-CEOs. And this means business leaders who break away from the prevailing idea of people over profits model. He calls for a new model, an anti-CEO playbook, to bring about the change. The anti-CEO playbook is about gratitude. Businesses should take care of their employees first. He talks about community. He talks about going, if you're looking to set up a business in a new area, a new town, a new state or County, go to the people, see what they're about, see what they're looking for, see what they need, and then how your business can help achieve their goals and help them to move forward and progress. He was talking in his TED talk about how oftentimes you see businesses, and this happened with the whole Amazon looking for a new place for their headquarters, right? You saw Amazon like, where can we get the best deal? Who gonna lay out the red copper for us? Oh, we see you. Oh, it was a whole, cities were flaunting themselves for Amazon, but then what was Amazon really trying to say and do for the people? So it's interesting because Chobani, when you talk about how the, com the company started, he basically bought a, um, a craft yogurt factory and then flipped that into Chobani, which is now one of the largest 
selling yogurt businesses. So he saw an opportunity and then what he realized and something that he felt very hurt by was how you had CEOs closing factories in towns where they had no connection, which goes back to what we were talking about earlier, doing things without having a connection to the people who are doing the work for you. Your employees are just as important as your product and your bottom line because they are the ones who are actually making it happen while you're up there sort of strategizing, planning, and doing things for the future. If you don't have a solid base with your employees, how can you continue to build a business of the future? If your employees are unhappy, will they show up for you the way that they need to show up for you with love and care as they build your product? Energy is a real thing. So if you have people making cakes for you, if you sell cakes or goods that people eat and the energy is not right, your cakes are not gonna taste that good. One of the main ingredients with soul food is because soul food is cooked with love, regardless of what the food is. So there's energy that goes into these things. So I was really digging how he sort of talked about that and the idea of this new way of doing business because it's something that we, adapt to anyway. We want to sit there and bring solutions and products to the market that make sense and that are for the people. It's not just about driving dollars, but the American dream has been about money, right? We should change that because Amer- obviously it ain't working that well. That's in these streets. <laughs> Yo, I don't know what it is in the beer today, but everybody's just snapping <laughs> off, snapping off. So look, we're going to keep it going since we just snapping today. Um, let's go ahead and get into clout chasing. Uh, for the people that are over 50, clout chasing is where you're, y'all know what it is. Look. Chasing clout. You want that notoriety. The rebuilding of Notre Dame. Notre Dame has been able to get $600 million in 24 hours. Things up to like $700 million. So Euros. Euros. So $700 million now. Now, I just want you guys to know that we have a statement from another young lady. Speaking as a Catholic here, please don't donate to help Notre Dame. The church is worth $30 billion. Donate to help Puerto Rico recover. Donate to get the people of Flint clean water. Donate to get kids out of cages. Jesus didn't care about stained glass. He cared about humans. Look. Right. Let's just go ahead and get into the clout chasing elements. Reggie Bush and Karen Civil had to duke it out on Instagram over a fund being set up for Nipsey Hussle's kids. Days later, <laughs> when they say, what it's like, and then, um, Nipsey Hussle's family is politely rejecting donations because he already made sure his kids were taken care of. So, several crowdfunding accounts were created in Hussle's honor, including controversial one for NF player Reggie Bush. So, Reggie Bush got into this argument with Karen Civil, telling her that he got clearance from Warren London to set this whole thing up. Although, Nipsey Hussle set up multiple trust funds for his kids and had a million-dollar life insurance policy. Reggie Bush, I want to know where the hell you been for the... First of all, do you even play football anymore? Where have you been for the last 10 years with all the other issues that's been going on that you decided this was the one thing you were going to dedicate $10,000 for and only raise $100,000 to give to the kids? Exactly what are those kids supposed to do with that $100,000? Karen Civil came on and told you there's other places for you to donate your money. There's other people out there that have been in situations where they have lost loved ones to gun violence and she thought your $100,000 idea was a great opportunity, but you could have gave that money to anybody but Nipsey Hussle. This is all I'm saying. The death of Nipsey Hussle has, I think, built up a great culture of people realizing their community leaders. But 
while recognizing your community leaders, let's just be honest why you guys chase clout or why you selectively have the rage you have over certain issues. You're only going to be enraged by things that are getting following trends and things that you can get popularity from by yourself while you're actually doing these things. To be honest, you really don't care about the issues. I don't give a damn how you try to pose it and the fact that you think you do care. There's been 20 other million opportunities for you to do the exact same thing you're doing when a celebrity's name is not attached to it. You're clout chasing. The only reason why the three black Louisiana churches have now started getting an increase in funding where they saw a 350% increase of the funding they've getting is because the Notre Dame church burnt down. How many of you people would have never gave money to the three black churches in Louisiana if Notre Dame wouldn't have burnt down? You started feeling guilty. But you know what? You started getting recognition because people started calling you out and be like, hey, what about the black church? So now you are clout chasing. People in your community are doing some of the same thing Nipsey Hussle was doing and nobody is trying to claim that they are Nipsey Hussle or not as great, but you had no sympathy to support their things all the way down to the fact that I had people questioning what I meant by support. Let me tell you what the hell I meant by support. You clout chasing people when you have your local friends and family that are starting businesses or doing things, can't take the time to hit the button or tap the screen twice to say you actually like what they're doing. You can't hit the share comment and say, hey, I support this person and I want to help them. But you have reposted paintings of Nipsey Hussle. You have reposted articles about Notre Dame. We all clout chase to some degree. But there's a reason why I didn't really reshare a lot of the stories about Notre Dame, because I don't go to a Catholic church. And due to the fact that I love art and the preservation of a lot of the historic elements that are in that building mean a lot to me from an artistic element, I don't really care about the Catholic church. The Catholic church has a lot of money. They will rebuild. But let me tell you who doesn't have a lot of money. The black kids and the families that are getting murdered in South Florida, in Chicago, in Atlanta, Georgia, in Philadelphia, in New York, they don't have a lot of money. But I understand why you guys don't want to donate there. There's no clout. There's no coverage. There's no trending hashtag that's going to be attached to your efforts. So you don't want to really support a local business. You know what I didn't see, Latoya? Hmm. I didn't see a lot of people wearing marathon clothing or putting any posts about the fact that Nipsey Hussle was using virtual reality to spread more information and give access to exclusive content on his clothing tags. Where were y'all at then? Because they ain't know. All you little blood-sucking, clout-chasing individuals that are out there, just admit that you use social media just because you have a internal infrastructure problem within your heart. The addiction to the red or the blue pill. We have now entered the matrix of social media. Some of you guys feel incomplete if you don't get a certain amount of likes. That's why a lot of you have become Instagram models. Because Instagram doesn't pay you. You're paid with the addiction of attention. There's a lot of things that we do at Digital Grass that we don't get credit for and we don't care because we like to see the success. But don't get it wrong, we are still chasing the bag. There's a lot of other businesses we own and we will plug our own businesses. We got to a point where we stopped help asking for help but we started receiving help because we became more raw with our content. We put in ourselves in a position where we felt we were doing what was best for the community, which was informing them of issues that do not get coverage or are not explained in a way where you feel somebody is talking to you versus talking down to you. Now, granted, at this moment, I'm definitely talking down to the ignorant people that are chasing clout on social issues and use those issues to their advantage just so they can get a little bit more likes. If you really want to do something, 
what Nipsey Hussle wanted you to do was to embrace what people have done for him and for you to do it to your local leaders. What he wanted you to do was start showing up at city council meetings. What he wanted you to do was start showing up in your CRA meetings. He wanted you to get out and vote. He wanted you to make impact. His life was sacrificed for the greater good for you to see what was happening. So with Notre Dame, the church burnt down, but the aspects of a lot of things that's happening within the black church burnt down years ago. Maybe you should stop thinking about the physical and think about the metaphysical of the things that is actually happening in our community if you're going to chase clout. Because we're losing a lot of our structure. We're losing a lot of our buildings, gentrification, and we're losing a lot of our soul. So there are nonprofits and a lot of organizations that can't function because they're not getting any donations. There's money for us to be given, but there's other people that need it. Normally, by time something has become a big issue, it's taken care of. That's free press, free media, that's coverage, and that's exposure. The four main things that you need to make a business successful that most people don't get, especially when it's coming to social justice issues and just small businesses. So that's my initial feeling. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting because I was having a conversation about this earlier. And so I've seen Notre Dame, been to Paris, all of that, get it, beautiful structure. But then for people to, and there's this whole article that came out too about people sort of guilt shaming people on social media who are really expressing their, their heartfelt emotions for Notre Dame burning down. But again, mm -hmm. to your point, it's a building. People get hurt every day. Act like they ain't got insurance. You don't think Notre Dame had insurance? <laughs> right. Like it can get fixed to the point of the person who said that they have money. The Catholic Church is probably like one of the richest because of all the stuff that they've done over the centuries. So wrap that all up into a nice pretty bow and realize that that's not something that requires that much attention. Yes, it was a historic landmark. Yes, it was a cultural icon to the city. It was a tourist destination. But you've had tombs raided in Egypt, right? You've had artifacts stolen and then placed in other museums. There are things that have happened that are detrimental as well, but where's the outcry for that? Where's the outcry for, to your point, the churches that are burning down in the U.S. that were targeted, synagogues that were targeted? Where's the fundraising for that? And I don't even want to cut you off. Y'all raised $600 million in less than 24, 24 hours. That's what I was about to go next. Flint, Michigan just got $77 just. million for water? Right. You have people. Not building, my dude. We talking water. Yeah. Water. And for those who are really tied into water? religion and Christianity, your body is the temple, right? You are the church. So why would you want to build into and pour into people? Because they are the church. The building is just the container, right? Because if, the, if nobody goes to the church, then there's no church. It's just a building. There's energy. There's people that bring that to that space. We know so what are you Jesus really turned water into wine, but we talking water. The highest consumed product in the world. A whole city is dying, has cancerous responses to water. And all these billionaires, y'all couldn't get together to fix a water supply. But you, you know what? I'm sorry. It's a whole bunch of black and poor people in Flint, Michigan. Why would y'all care about that, right? 
get it, right? They're Parisian, they're French, so they're like, I no, we it. want to reinvest into our culture, into our community to help rebuild this structure. But didn't Trump talk about giving money to Yeah, him? you have people in the U.S. who have donated. But again, there's really things Trump? that happen here all the time. Where is the giving of that? Where is the sort of the Christian idea behind support and, you know, love thy brother as thyself? Where is that? Where is that? Where does that come from? Better yet, for the Catholic churches, I have an idea. Why don't you give 600 or $700 million to the psychological aspects of all the little boys that have been molested in your church. You want to help somebody. Or even talking about the countries that were colonialized by the French. Just A saying, lot of those countries you, are still struggling. People, Haiti, hello. <laughs> like, hello. Y'all remember what y'all did to Haiti, right? Earthquake, they still struggling over there. I'm sure $700 million could do a lot for Haiti. Absolutely. But no, that's that's not clout. That's uh uh-uh. uh. Oh, but you may do it for your for your nonprofit to look good. Yeah, we down here doing relief. And then you leave and it looks the, the exact same. Right. And so from producer AP Stewart, it's kind of irony that we're talking about this on the day that Jesus was crucified. He came into the town on Sunday and then he lived. Easter is coming up. It sure is. <laughs> It sure is. And then, you know, especially if you are a part of the Christian religion, then you know that Jesus basically went into the church, right? There's that whole thing that people like to talk about. He flipped everything over, right? Down with the system, down with the revolution. And um, American Gods, for those who watch the show on Stars. uh, Whoever writes for American Gods. Orlando Jones is putting in. I know he's one of the executive mm, producers. mm, Watch the show. (laughs) That's a watch party. That's what we should be watching. Instead of y'all watching uh, Housewives of Atlanta and stuff, y'all need to be watching American the Gods. Right. Bars. Because there was a really good a, a really good scene in not last week's, but maybe like a week prior, where they were in a church, and she basically, the goddess Queen of Sheba, right, she's in there, so she was talking to a parishioner who was there mourning the death of her grandmother, and she started to talk about Christ or Jesus. And the, the parishioner, the girl, was basically giving the rhetoric, right, about what you're taught about Jesus, that he died for your sins. And she was like, he was a revolutionary. Like, he died because he was murdered for his ideas. And just like those who we know who were revolutionary who died, and then their story kind of morphs a little bit Malcolm to X, be Martin all Luther kind King. of tailored to fit the narrative of what they want you to know, the exact same thing. So just think about that. All the stories and all the ideas of Christ and Jesus and how he lived and what he did, it was revolutionary. Whether you believe that he really existed or he's a mythological idea, either way, there's revolutionary. There's revolution in his story. Are you truly embodying the idea of revolution? Well, basically, even if you take an ideology of what it is, this is what happened to those that think outside of the box that's pushing the boundaries. They normally get shut up. So even if you don't believe in Jesus or in God, if you look at the aspect of the lessons from the story, when you step outside of the box, causing people to think and to change their way of thought. Because remember, a lot of people know this, but still there's some people that watch our show that don't know certain things. They didn't kill Martin Luther King when he was talking about Integration. And inter- they killed him when he started talking about economics. the segregation and economics. When he realized maybe integration wasn't the best thing for black folk or the Negro, as he would say back then. And he started talking about self-empowerment. That's when they killed him. And then also playing to the idea of rich versus poor, the poor people's movement, right? Starting to talk about economic sovereignty and how you can, that's when it happened. So, you know, you got to sort of really think about it. Take a look at what's actually happened. And speaking of reconstruction. Tell them. 
Uh, Henry Louis Gates Jr. has the series on PBS that was aired. I think the last one aired last night that talks about the Reconstruction era and really breaking down that like 10 to 12 year period after the Civil War where we were starting to gain traction, but then it was stopped. And then that's when you had Jim Crow, the black codes and everything come into place. So we're talking about the reconstruction of Notre Dame, but then what about the reconstruction of even our existence, our perspective? So many people are talking about mm. reparations, but then are you truly invested in it? Do you even understand what that is? Do you, people are, I heard, I had a conversation today with someone and they were basically like, um, reparations is not something that a presidential candidate should necessarily be talking about because it's not universally accepted. It'll hurt them as a presidential candidate to talk about it versus maybe just keeping it quiet and then talking about it once you get into the office. There's a lot that's going on. Reconstruction is happening everywhere. It's not just with Notre Dame. So moving on, gonna get back on a positive. We got a couple of shout outs. We definitely wanna continue this women vibe. So uh, shout out to the women of space. Just remember, a woman got us to the moon and a woman made the algorithm to take the picture of the black hole. I just don't know what we would do without women. But yet, our investors still can't see the value in women. Because they're scared. <laughs> That's what it is? They're scared. You know, it is. The basis of insecurity when you don't want to see things is because you're scared that somebody's going to be more powerful than you. So I get it, guys. That's why you got to rig the system. Ooh, y'all can't do this. We going to do it. <laughs> That's why you got to do that. So we missed this last week, but the FAMU students, shout out to our uh, executive producer and our director, Dante uh, FAMU students racked up 22 regional Addy Awards. Nice. Uh, 22 awards top FAMU's record-breaking performance in 2018 when they won 18 awards. My question is, where is Florida State in this conversation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do us. Florida State has a fantastic school of communications and advertising. I graduated from there. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know. Maybe they didn't, maybe they didn't show up this year. I don't know. I don't and shout out to Marvin Green for taking over uh, the little scroll for the old man uh, cues on the cruise ship. I appreciate that, Marvin. That was great. <laughs> Um, another thing is, to our young blood, we call him, shout out to Greg Johnson. Greg has a new gig and has a newfound success. Greg is working with the Microsoft uh, Cities team here in Miami. He is doing a civic innovation fellowship with the Microsoft Cities to help shape the civic technology program and to foster civic engagement. If you guys don't know, Greg is very special to us. He's like a little brother to everybody mm -hmm. on the team. Uh, we watched him go from having to just sit around and watch us drink to be able to, <laughs> to buy a drink. So <laughs> we've known him and Greg is doing great things. So Greg, yes. we've been watching, we paying attention. We're very proud of you. Continue your success, young That's man. right. Um, and Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. First <laughs> off, I just want y'all to know, we ain't never write Tiger off. The only thing I wish I would've did was I wish I would've been that man that never placed a bet on a golf game. And I wish I would've placed that $85,000 bet so I could come back with 1.19 million. The odds for Tiger Woods winning was 14 to one. Mm. 14 to one was his odds. So he is now the 2019 Masters Champion. And I just want one thing. Since you get to make a lot of requests and you like to use words and add extra syllables to the pronunciation of them, Stephen A. Smith, I would like to have a public apology from you to Tiger Woods since you said he was done. And due to the fact that you are the highest paid person at ESPN as a spokesperson, find a way to do it. I want a whole commercial where you just admit you messed that one up. Stephen A. Smith, I'm calling you out, brother. Tiger came back 
and he did exactly what you said he couldn't do. And if you actually go back and look at the footage, Stephen A. Smith, I just want to also point out, you were the only black man on camera that told Tiger he would never win again. Just want that part to soak in for you, Steve. Mm -hmm. Just let that, you was the only, only Negro to tell Tiger he was never gonna win. Did Tiger ever tell you you wasn't gonna be great at your job when you started doing stupid stuff? I get it, you kinda like Wendy Williams, y'all tear people down, but then when people start tearing y'all down in y'all personal life, it don't feel that friendly, do it? Mm-mm. Just saying, Steven, you messed up, man. I hope LeBron win the championship next two years, because you're <laughs> talking all that trash. And I don't even like you anyway. You a Cowboys fan. <laughs> How are you even still rolling with Jerry? And I got personal. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to move on. So, closing out, for today's ignorance, it's just something I want to address. And I'm actually talking to someone very close to me. Quit being the, the, the throne in my side. Um, <laughs> uh oh. If you can't take the sarcasm of people not caring about the Game of Thrones, you're too sensitive for the internet. I know that I made a comment that if people paid as much attention to the game, uh, to politics and voting and everything else as they did the Game of Thrones, we might be in a different situation. It was a lighthearted comment. I really didn't care, but actually, there's a lot of truth behind it. What did you say? So, my comment was. <laughs> If people paid attention... Oh, that was your comment. Poly- yeah, that was actually the oh, comment. Oh, that was if your comment. Okay. Yeah, as they did to the Game of Thrones... Gotcha. ...then maybe we wouldn't, and I stopped there, and I said, never mind, carry on. It was a joke. It was definitely a joke. But some people had to let me know that, you know, this is people's way of escaping and everything. Hey, look, I'm addicted. I watch millions. I remember when Dexter used to come on. Maybe I was just fascinated that maybe some of these murders were actually taking place in Miami. When Dexter came on, my Sundays used to shut down so I could watch Dexter. Sopranos was the same way, but it's a joke. But the fact of the matter is we are using a platform to show our addiction to something else. That's your choice. But everything someone posts, it isn't meant for you, but a hit dog will holler. So if something I said offended you, I'm sorry. But the debates and someone addressing that you are more vocal about watching a show than some of the political issues and the other issues that are going on in the world, if that doesn't relate to you, it doesn't relate to you. I know two of the people that responded are very close friends to me, and we responded in more of a jokingly matter. So I'm not talking about them. But I am talking to the one person that decided they was going to try to check me, boo, on my own page <laughs> when I put my information together. You can't get mad that I'm talking about Game of Thrones and it's something that I don't feel that I need to watch because it's based off of a fantasy world that's never going to happen. And we don't even know which hemisphere this actual world is taking place in. So I don't know how the message of Game of Thrones relate to anything else. But I do know one thing. If you want to talk about the basis of the position of someone like Michael Hall, there's not a single black person in Game of Thrones. So maybe I just don't support it because it's not a diverse cast. You got, you got like melanated. Yeah, figure it out. Call them out to me. Let me know who's the star person in Game of Thrones that you can go dress. Oh, star person. Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. No no star. So the thing is, for Game of Thrones, I've heard the debates over this, but you know, these debates also come into situations where people talk about reality TV versus real TV, and people are more caught up with the Kardashians than they are with the actual issues that's going on in the community. So I wasn't actually talking about you, but I'm talking about the people that are addicted to TV. You have people that are putting their whole lives into following the Kardashians, but don't know anything about what they want to do in their own life. We've been sucked into this generation where we just take in certain content and I just called it out, but I really don't care. I don't care what you do with your time or what you watch, because you know what? The people that are watching me, I support them. The people that are watching Game of Thrones, I support them. 
And yes, I understand, uh, Miss Daniel, that there are two black people in Game of Thrones, but that's about as good as diversity and inclusion in the tech world. It's still not <laughs> that's enough. That's all I was saying. So they're not leading characters, though. They're still not leading they're characters. Not leading so characters. if you're going to try to call me out, you might want to come with a better fact. But I don't really care about the cast. I really care more so about the executive producers who's making money with that. But we can continue to move on. So if you care more about these celebrities than you care about your friends starting business, you actually have to look at the information that I was trying to get to you. Sometimes we just get a little bit more involved with our time with the things that we do versus the things that we support. But that's just my opinion. And the basis is just like it's your opinion to want to watch Game of Thrones. Winter is coming, but also as a recession and another presidency. If you don't actually take care <laughs> of those issues, you have more things to address. So if you're worried about winter in Florida, mm, you might have an issue. What you should have been concerned with is DeSantis was coming. And guess what? Now he's your sitting governor because you don't have Andrew Gillum in that speech. Because we didn't have the same kind of passion for getting Andrew Gillum into office as we did for winter coming. <laughs> so now hell is here. You're going to have to deal with the repercussions of the situations we've been placed in because we don't get out and vote. 40% of the audience that is subscribed to uh, to HBO watch House uh, Game of Thrones. That's a very significant number. We can barely get that same kind of turnout for people to vote that are registered voters, and we can't even get more people to actually register to vote. So that's why Andrew Gillum has to make this campaign to try to get a million people registered to vote and to actually come out and vote. We have a problem. I address something in a more sarcastic and funny way. If I hurt your feelings, I'm not sorry. Just stop following my page. <laughs> sorry, not sorry is basically what you're saying. <laughs> so just all I'm saying is let it go and watch your show. Game of Thrones, they have some liquor out. Buy you some of the Johnny Walker Game of Thrones. Winter is coming. Have a drink. Be more lighthearted about situations and be more concerned about the issues that really care. And own your truth. <laughs> if you just, that's what your thing is, just own your truth. Listen, you got to own it. So anyways... At the end of the day, it's the last season. So winter will come and go. But you know what? Tech Beast and Bites is just getting started. And in a couple of weeks, we have some major announcements. We're going to be here to stay. And to all those people, I love you. Continue your posts. Continue your synopsis of who you think is going to die next in this fantasy world. <laughs> Continue to let me know about the Mother Dragon and everybody else. I'm cheering for the small guy. I don't know his role, but I think he's a great actor. The little person, you know who I'm talking about, Game of Throners. <laughs> but that's it. I love you guys, but that's just for today's ignorance. The ignorance is on my part. I'm not even going to blame you guys. I just don't care about the show. But do watch Billions if you want to learn a little bit about the stock market and some of the things that's happening. So anything else you want to add? <laughs> That's a good way to end it. Winter is here. The season eight, it is what it is. You got a lot of GOTers out there. Let them do it. They got to do it. Do y'all thing. Do your thing. Do your thing. Do a watch party. I want y'all to all dress in costume. I'll come to that. And get like the big, the big tomahawk steaks and let's grill the way they used to over an open fire. You just want to have a party. <laughs> <laughs> he don't care nothing about the show. He just wants y'all to come over and eat. That's all. <sighs> That's all, right. all. Take us out, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mike. That's Toya. And, and this, this is, is Tech Beats and Bites. Bites. That's a good show. Yeah.